0: When I was a young, closeted gay teenager, I developed a survival technique that helped me avoid painful conversations about my sexuality, and that survival technique was getting really good at studying and homework. How to become a really good studier is by using the right study skills. That's it. Little techniques or hacks that ensure you're studying efficiently and effectively. Now, it's kind of sick and twisted that my deep expertise in study skills comes from me wanting to hide my sexuality, but we are where we are. And this is where we're at. And you're also probably asking me, I don't know why, Jeffrey, you're talking about study skills, um, but I promise that all of this has practical application for getting things done during the worst time ever. So just stick with me and let's get into today's show, which brings me to... Have you subscribed yet to Gaijin on Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts? Please do that now. Make sure you're turning on alerts for new episodes. That's how you're going to hear new episodes when they're fresh And when I publish them and then tell your friends about Gaijin, have them listen to Gaijin, have them subscribe, have them become hot mess heroes. You guys, this is the only way that we're able to spread the love and share the love of Gaijin. So help me out, hot mess heroes, and get the word out there. All right, let's talk about this winter. It sucks. November through December winter is magical and glittery and fun because it's the holidays. Whereas January through May winter is awful. It's like the fresh powdery snow becomes dirty and slushy and muddy and you're just seeing it freeze over and on itself into a hardened icy piece of dirt pretty much. It's frozen, solid dirt. Um, I just want to stay under my Ugg fur blanket on my couch all day. Yes, an Ugg fur blanket. My boyfriend and I can't get out of the house for any reason, but we can totally get out of the house for the Ugg fur blanket, which we picked up at Bed Bath and & Beyond. And we love these blankets. They're so furry and cushy. And I can just lay under them all day, snoozing and dreaming. But I can't do that. And you can't probably do that either. And even though we want to do that, we want to sleep all day, and the weight of the world is so unfathomable at times, we still need to get going. We still have responsibilities. We still have things to do. We still have passions we want to work on and drive towards. So being crushed by the weight of the world and how unmotivating a cold, deathly winter can be, we still got work we need to get done and things we need to do. And we still got to put food on the table. And some of us, want to use the extra time we have during the day to work on our passion projects. I mean, this podcast, I write, record, and edit after work hours, after my main responsibilities are finished for the day. If you're working on something that you're passionate about and you don't feel like you have enough time during the day to get it done, I might have some tips during this episode that could work for you. Or that you can consider using or trying to see whether or not you can squeeze a little bit more time out of the day to do the things that matter to you. So uh, today I'm going to give some tips on mindset and time management. And I find that what keeps me motivated in times that seem very unmotivating, like right now, um, are... Practical things I can do, little hacks or methods that help me get stuff done. Winter is really hard. This time in the world and in our country sucks, but we need you. We need your brilliance and fire, and the world needs you. There are so many of you out there who are doing the work, and I see you. I see you, and sometimes I know it may feel thankless, but... I want you to look at how much you've achieved, how much we've achieved, and how much farther we're going to go if you keep your energy and your brilliance up. If you sustain the energy that you need to continue fighting and working every day for the things you believe in. Moving on to my top tips for productivity, time management, and mindset. It's not going to sound like rainbows and sunshine. It might be hard to hear this. It might be a little upsetting to hear what I'm going to offer as some solutions to getting stuff done for staying motivated when you don't want to do anything. But I will tell you this, I've felt this way this past week, last week, and Stuff that usually clicks for me wasn't clicking immediately this week. You know, I've been trying to outline this episode for days now, and this episode was one topic, and then it became another, then it morphed into another thing. I just had to keep pushing along, knowing that there was a voice within me that didn't want to do anything at all. So tip number one is to throw out all the stuff you don't need. Just throw it out. People are doing this right now. Maybe it's the perfect time of the year to get rid of all of the stuff that's in their closet, that's under their bed, that's taking up space in their homes, but throw out all the stuff you don't need literally and figuratively, which I'll get to in a moment. But I did see people doing this and this past Sunday, my body woke up at 8am, which is not my choice, but I couldn't go back to sleep. So I decided to get out of the house and go for a walk to McDonald's. Yes, it's probably like a 25 or 30 minute walk, but I needed to get the number two at McDonald's. The number two is the sausage McMuffin with a hash brown and coffee. No cream, no sugar. Uh, But when I was a kid, my grandparents used to take us after church all the time to get big breakfasts at McDonald's. And the big breakfast is a hash brown. It's two pancakes, two eggs, two sausages. And if you were really good at church, grandma would throw in some bacon. So... That cold Sunday morning, I walked to get a comforting breakfast at McDonald's and on my way there, I saw lots of people lined up at vintage stores and they were carrying bags of stuff to sell or give away. And it's a good reminder that this is the time to just throw away all the stuff you don't need. That's number one. Now, I said I was going to get to throwing away all the stuff you don't need figuratively. And that really applies to all of the emotional storage that's being taken up by stuff that upsets you, annoys you, frustrates you, all the stuff that's festering within you that's building into resentment. And a perfect place to start with that is work. Let's talk about it, Uh, because some of you are working from home right now, and it's just building up, and I've talked about this on a previous episode, letting go of expectations. Go check it out if you haven't listened, especially right now, since work is in lots of ways invading our personal, private, and safe spaces, right? There is no delineation or separation between work and home right now, and that's super difficult, A good friend of mine and I text about work during the day, and it's really just a thread of us saying, I just can't or I can't over and over and over. I think that's probably my top used phrase. I wonder if there's like actually, you know what would be cool is if there was like some app where it would analyze your text messages and pull out your most commonly used phrases. I think it'd be an interesting study on yourself But also probably like a huge data breach, so probably not the best app idea, but I digress. Um, Work is too much right now. We've talked about this, people. No one is slowing down. And it sucks, but unfortunately, we need to adapt. And we need to adapt by saying no. By utilizing the power of no. Funny story, actually. Um, I recently got a Peloton, uh, okay. Just like threw that in there recently got a Peloton, but my boyfriend and I saved up for a Peloton because we knew we needed it to maintain sanity during this time. And there's a series that the Peloton instructors are doing right now called the power of yes. And one of the first fundamental lessons in that series is the power of no, So if the world is asking more and more of us right now, one of the first fundamental mindsets we need to adopt is saying no. For example, getting rid of meetings on your calendar that just take up time and don't feel guilty for clicking on no, I can't attend. That's why that button exists. A back-to-back calendar isn't a badge of honor getting your work done and getting the stuff you need to get done so you can move on with your life, that is something you should be working towards instead. And yes, there are going to be some meetings that you need to attend, but get really critical about all of the little meetings you attend that add up and take away your time from being impactful. I find that the Zoom meetings take so much energy out of me that after the meeting, I don't even have the energy to get my own work done. And so the meeting was actually detrimental to my productivity rather than beneficial in any way because it drained all of my energy and my capacity to get the important things done. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, I don't have a lot of control over my time. And in fact, I'm not allowed to say no to meetings. I am required to attend everything that comes my way on my calendar and that just pops up and appears. Don't you just love when people spy on your calendar and then just play Tetris with all the free spaces available? Um, Anyway, if you feel like you don't have control over your time or your calendar Or if you feel like there are so many requirements placed upon you, then maybe it's time to talk to your boss. Maybe it's time to talk to your supervisor about that. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. It's possible to work it out and to tell your supervisor or your teammates what's getting in the way of you getting your stuff done. What's blocking you from getting your priorities done? Because my guess is if you're in meetings all day that are draining you, then you're probably not getting your actual work done. And you want to be able to stay on top of that and to reserve your energy for your main priorities. Well, it's time to talk to your team or your boss about it and to be clear about what's getting in your way, and sometimes that requires you itemizing your time, really outlining and assigning the amount of time and effort associated with all the things you need to do, and when I talk about itemizing your time, it's about you looking at your calendar and playing Tetris yourself first, on what day, for how long does this task take? What time do you have free? Is that really free time or is that still dedicated work time that you should have? Now, this probably sounds overkill, but really look at your day and assign minutes to each minute of your day. What are you going to be doing during that minute? And it doesn't all have to be work. Right? Every single minute shouldn't be spent on always getting something done. You know, sometimes those minutes need to be for a break. And we're going to get to that in the next tip. But you need to map your days out and then you need to be able to communicate that to others. You need to maybe communicate it to your boss. And for some of you, you're saying to yourselves, man, this seems so unfair. And I was there with you, like, it seems so unfair. They should really know what it is that I do. Like, people should really know what I do and respect my time. But guess what? People don't know. And they will frequently be wrong about what it is other people do and how much they do. And that's okay. That's actually understandable because they don't do your job. You don't do their job. And you'll probably have a bad estimation about all the things that they do. And that's not wrong or right, it just means that we have a very limited understanding of what others do during the day because we're not living in their shoes. So what you need to do is, if people aren't getting it, over-communicate what you do, how much time it takes. And when I say over-communicate, you don't have to be annoying about it, you don't have to be woe is me about it. It's just the facts, right? You've itemized your day and your minutes, so you're just speaking from fact. And because you believe it's not a zero-sum game, the purpose of you communicating what you do is first and foremost to be realistic about whether the thing they want done will get done. And if you're just saying yes and not being honest about whether or not you have the capacity to do it then you're literally setting yourself up and the other person and or the team for disappointment. So you might as well just be honest about if it's possible with the resources that are available. Just be transparent and honest and take it from there. You'll be surprised that most people are willing to help and to chip in when they know what your day looks like and what's on your plate. You've got to spell it out for people. You have to over-communicate. There has never been a time When communication is so vital for two people to see each other's experiences, then right now, right? So my rule for overcommunication is, number one, keep track of all the small stuff that you do that you take for granted. All of the small things you don't notice you do, those take up time, effort, and energy. So write those things down and make them visible, Make them visible for others when you communicate what's on your plate. And number two, people aren't going to listen until you say it the 20th time. So I give you permission to be a broken record because you're being a broken record to advocate for your energy and ultimately the impact of your work. And so saying things for the 20th time is okay if... You know, you're doing it in a tone where people feel like your message is accessible. Um, And still after the 21st time, they're not going to listen and it's okay. They're busy and focused on other things. So know that a part of this process means having to say things more times than you'd like. Letting go of the stuff you don't need includes getting rid of all of the emotional festering you're doing that's taking up valuable real estate, psychically, mentally, energetically. But emotional festering includes all the stuff that's weighing on you, that's staying on your mind. Um, If you need to get something off your chest, just do it. That's emotional festering. And one of the ways my anxiety manifests is Thoughts that continue to stick and spiral, even though I don't want to be thinking them anymore. But what's worked for me is just saying it, (laughs) just getting rid of the thing that I can't stop thinking about by saying how I feel, by verbally processing how I feel. And that's probably why I like to sit here in my closet and ramble for all of you but it really just helps me keep my spirit and my mind clear and free from resentment or feelings that'll keep me back from accomplishing what I care about and what I want to accomplish. So getting rid of it and figuring out how you're going to do that is super important. And for me, it's just about saying how I feel honestly without holding back. And I've been doing that a lot more um, at work in my personal life because holding on to stuff right now feels heavier than necessary. Okay, I there is a caveat though like caveat and hold your horses before you call your mom and you're like you never hugged me as a child. I, I've I've done that after many shots of tequila and trust me this it's not a good idea. So the caveat is. When I say get it off your chest or don't let it fester, know who your audience is. Know who you're going to be saying these things to. Is this person a safe person? Is this person the appropriate person for me to say this thing to? And if I need to say it to this person, how am I going to do that in a way that's not just emotional unloading but me being transparent and honest and direct right this is about being honest and working on processing through something you're feeling that's keeping you from moving forward it's not about emotional unloading onto someone else you know there are some people who are not going to change and you know who those people are and it's okay. It's not your responsibility to change anyone. And in fact, you can't. But if there is something that you need to get off your chest, then maybe you write a letter to them and you throw it away. Um, you toss it. You burn it. You shred it. The important thing is you're getting it out of your mind, your body, and your spirit. And not that this person has actually changed. You know, if something is weighing on me and I don't say anything, then the stupidest stuff will start to annoy me and make me feel tense. It's like all the stuff that doesn't even matter to me, but because there is this one thing weighing on my mind, all the small things add up much quicker and everything just seems super annoying. But if I let go of what's bothering me, if I'm honest and can communicate that, then everything feels lighter. And the stuff that I don't usually care about, I don't care about. And life can move forward and life can move on. Whatever's weighing on you, communicate about it, talk it out. And if anything, this pandemic is forcing us to communicate our pain, our hurt, our anxiety in a different way. And so push yourself to do that. And you'll see that There will be so many benefits for you and for others when you can. All right, moving on to number two, and I just had to get some snacks. One of our friends brought over this bacon beef jerky. They're beef jerky slices that just look like slices of bacon, and they're glazed in this sriracha sauce. Excuse me, I'm burping. Um... It's so good. All right. The second tip is stopping when you're done. Know when you're running out of steam and flailing and just stop. Stop when you're done. Some of us just continue to go, 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 even though our energy is shot. (laughs) My bandwidth for things right now fluctuates every day. Um, But the overall trend is that my bandwidth for things is shrinking. It's not that I'm giving up or that I'm over it. It's just that I know that if I put in more effort or energy into something, the result is actually going to be smaller. It's called the point of diminishing returns, and it's the point at which more time and effort actually results in smaller returns. Fancy term, right? Fancy term. Uh, But it's true. For example... If I'm working on a spreadsheet, yes, very, very exciting, but if I'm working on a spreadsheet and I'm crunching the numbers and it's all flowing really fast, after 30 minutes into it, I'm going to slow down. There's only so much sustained energy that I have. I'm making more mistakes, it's becoming more painful, and so even if I put in another 30 minutes, I'm probably not going to get much farther. It's certainly not going to be as effective as the first 30 minutes of the task. I'll tell you that um, because the first 30 minutes felt actually really fun. And now it's just feeling like a slog. So you know what? I have to notice this and I have to stop. And I used to be the person who continued to do and do and go and go even if my body was saying that I was done and that I needed a break because I believed in the myth that the more time you put into something, the harder you're working. And that's not true. It's not. Because the second 30 minutes of the spreadsheet task that I was describing to you would probably be, in my eyes, fake work. Because it's just busy work at that point. You're not mentally there. You're not giving it your full mental focus and energy you're just going through the motions, so at that point, just stop. Just stop. Like, let's just all stop. Save and click out of the task, and uh, take a break. Take a break. And I'm not talking about a two-hour break. I'm talking about like a twenty to thirty-minute break that's just going to reset your mind so you can get back into the task. So it's kind. Of, it's kind of like the Tabata of work, the like high-intensity interval training of getting things done, and I think maybe that the science is the same. I mean, it has to be, but treat your work as small intervals of intense work or bursts of work. The breaks between these intervals can be anywhere from 5 to 20 minutes, but your best, most refreshed self is attacking the work rather than a drained version of you. Let me tell you this. So this has now become like a study skills session. And this is probably why I was a teacher for so long and why I wanted to become a teacher because I kind of love this stuff. And it obviously came from years and years of researching and building these skills and also years and years of wanting to be a good student because I was so over-achievement-focused uh, in order to hide my gayness. You know, I was closeted for so long and being a good student just got everybody to shut up. So I worked really hard at being a good student. And then it became a competition with myself. How effective can I possibly get if I optimized a certain strategy? Um, yeah, this sounds really weird and just saying it out loud. I'm just such a weird human being. Um, these same techniques I apply still to my work today. And it really helps me get what I need to get done and still find small pockets of time to either A, take longer breaks or B, fill that time with something that's meaningful to me. And what I also learned is that if you are sticking to a strict schedule of how many minutes on, how many minutes off, you'll be surprised that there will always be a little more energy or a little more time that you have or that you found to get something meaningful done. The cool thing about this technique is that every single time you do this interval training consistently, you'll find that your bandwidth and your ability to sustain focus will increase every single time you do it. You'll find that you can work and still produce high output and high quality work for a longer sustained period of time when you practice this sort of interval training. I think it starts with the awareness of your energy levels and the intentionality for reserving them that makes this technique incredibly effective. And so I can't believe I'm talking to you guys about study habits right now, um, but the point is use your energy for the things that matter the most that will result in the highest output or impact and take a break and save your energy instead of continuing to drain the battery for pointless activities. I hope this is all making sense to all of you. Uh this is probably what it feels like if you are sitting in my ninth grade uh, English class. But practice this every day and you'll be surprised at how much you'll learn about your own boundaries and your own limits for certain things. And you'll also be surprised to know that you actually have A little bit more energy to use and give than you thought you did, but that takes meticulous preservation of your energy and time first. Okay, the last tip for time management, productivity, and staying motivated right now is to do a little bit every day. Do a little every day and it adds up. Even with all this sage advice I'm offering, there is still too much. Too much. Have you already reconsidered if you can keep it or toss it? Like the old saying says, does it bring you joy? And if not, please go back to step one and just don't do it. If it doesn't matter to you, then dial it back. There's no need to continue accepting more and more if it doesn't align to your priorities. So, let's say you've done that. You've taken inventory of your priorities. You're like, I know my boundaries. I'm good. I know what I'm giving my time to and my energy to. I know when to say no. Well, the people who want more from you, they're not going to stop testing you. They're not going to suddenly stop asking you. People are always going to ask you to do more, even though you thought you've done exactly what they've asked. And you know what? That's okay. And I know I keep saying that through this episode, like everything is okay. I mean, people suck, but you're going to be okay. And in some ways, it's their right, you know, or we've given them permission to do so, which is something we probably can talk about in another episode, But if you can't say no to it, then you've got to figure out a way to make it happen. You've got to figure out a way to make it happen and to also maintain and keep your sanity. There are some things that you just have to do and it may not feel rewarding all the time, but especially if these things are the most important to you and your priorities or if they're the thing that you need to do to get to what you really care about then you've just got to do them. You've just got to. And I know I say a lot that it's like, just say no, just don't do it. Tell them like enough is enough. But realistically, there are things every day that we just have to suck up and do. So if this is the case, which for all of us it is, then set yourself up for success. You can. You can turn this lemon into lemonade. The best thing that you can do with any large project or task is to start early. Break it down. For any task, know what steps need to be completed and in what order. And then start at the beginning and do a little part each day. A lot of the times, the very beginning means setting yourself up setting up the tools, the data sets, your resources, and putting them all in one accessible workspace. I love a folder. I like to use folders, and on Google Drive, there's Google Priorities, which gives you eight workspaces to add your Google files to. It's great. It's just important to have everything in one place because you'll be using them together for this final product this thing that you're working on. For the podcasts, I like to have a folder for each episode. And within that folder, there are like all these different files, sound effects, cuts of the episodes, my individual scripts. Um, but it's nice to have them all in one place. If you keep it all in one place, then you won't have to worry about spending unnecessary time looking for something Which allows you to stay focused on the deep work. There is no friction throughout your process because you're not wasting any energy on finding where things are or looking for something. Every ounce of your energy is spent for the actual work that you're doing. It allows you to stay present in the moment. Another reason for Starting early, and probably the more important reason than what I just described is that stuff is going to go wrong. Something's going to go wrong. And I'm not talking about, you know, your computer crashes and you lose all of your files, but let's go back to the spreadsheet example. Maybe it's a formula that isn't working the way that I thought it was going to. Or if I'm making a presentation, maybe. The first round of feedback that I got from my supervisor was that I had to redo most if not all of it. There is going to always be something that throws you off course and it's going to take a bit of extra time to fix it. Know that this is a regular part of everything you do. Nothing that you plan for will go as planned. It just won't there will always be something small that's going to require a little bit more time and energy to fix. This is normal. So if you start early, you would have already accounted for this extra time to troubleshoot something super random that's going to come up. It's just going to happen. You just got to get used to it. It's making sure that you've built in the time to fix the things that don't go as planned, okay? This process isn't going to be linear. It's not. There are some days as well when you're just not feeling it and you know you're not going to give it your all. So by planning and starting early, you can also include and give yourself permission to have those days, there i mean as i was saying at the beginning of this episode you know i've outlined and re-outlined this one and recorded and re-recorded episodes and a lot of the time it just doesn't always click and stuff isn't working out and i have to step away but i've figured out that that's probably going to be a lot of the times here in the studio/closet and i just have to be okay with knowing and planning for the mess If you know that the process isn't going to always be linear and the finished product needs to be an accumulation of layering and building, then start early. Let's say you want to write a poem by the end of this week, open up the Word document now and write out the messiest, sloppiest, what I like to call brain vomit of a poem down on that Google Doc and then Come back tomorrow and reread it and revise it and add more and then close it and then open it up the next day and the next day and do the same thing. What you'll find at the end of the week is that you will have this layered, thoughtful and wonderfully textured piece of writing that came together because you were revisiting it and chipping at it little by little each day, each day. Come back to your work like as a fresh new person every day and give more to it that will build it out to be something much more sophisticated and impressive than where it was day one when it was just this like little sloppy mess. I know I'm rambling here and you're probably like, oh my God, Mr. Jeffrey, like please stop. Um, Enough with this with the study skills tips. Um, But It's true. Episode one of Gaijin is the product of that process of writing something down and then coming back to it the next day and then coming back to it the next day and shaping and forming it into what it eventually became. And whether or not you're working on writing or on a spreadsheet, start early Break it down into small steps. Plan for the unplanned. And continue to come back to it every day to add layer, to shape it, and to make it more sophisticated and stylish from where it started. Hot Mess Heroes, I know that this time... In the world, in our country right now, can feel disheartening. It can feel frustrating. It can feel exhausting. And I'm totally with you on all of that. But I hope that I was able to give you some tips to increase the amount of energy and love that you're able to put out into the world. And the things that matter to you and the dreams that you have for yourself, you can preserve and work on and protect from the craziness all around us. What's really funny is that as a closeted gay teenager, I was so afraid of what other people would say and think about me that I buried myself into my schoolwork and my studies. And I became obsessed with overachieving and becoming the best student. And I adopted all of these study skills and strategies to make me better. And it's funny because it's sad (laughs) that I had to create a distraction from my sexuality, but in some weird, twisted way, being a good student was a form of self-preservation and safety and survival for me. I knew my parents liked good grades, so what kept them off my back was continuing to get good grades. I also knew that if I got good grades, I would have the chance to move away from home and decide where I'd want to go to college. There are some interesting implications when I think about the model minority myth, and I'm still trying to work that out and figure out how that myth has also impacted my need to be a good student. So Hot Mess Heroes, I have some questions. For those of us who identify as Individuals who used work to disguise a part of themselves that they were hiding, do some reflection on that. And I wonder what conclusions we'll come to about that part of our identities. Stay safe, stay warm, and until next time, bye!